Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to CFB Unfiltered. I'm Blaine Gilmer. And I'm Josh Taylor. And I'm Donovan White. As I said, this is CFB Unfiltered, guys, and it is the show on the Believe Podcast Network each week that covers everything and all things college football related. And, man, we had a crazy week last week with week one. Big matchups coming in week two. But in the middle of the week, you get thrown even more news with expansion into the Big 12. And who better to cover that? than a member of 365 Sports own Mr. J.D. Piquel. J.D., how's it going this evening? Man, I'm a lot better now. I appreciate y'all having me on, man. I'm like, I'm giddy being on the show with y'all. been able to tune in week in and week out, so it's a blast to finally be on here with y'all. Oh, no, we're, we're excited. And uh, J.D. is, of course, the host of The Hard Count. If you're watching here on 365 Sports YouTube channel. Of course, you've seen JD's stuff on the hard count, and you can make sure to subscribe and turn on notification, guys, because when we they go live, he's doing film breakdowns. He's touching on all the hot takes and the topical stuff, news that comes out. So, JD, just talk a little bit about the hard count before we get into Big 12 expansion here. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. It's just, it's honestly a show. I say it's by the people, for the people, with the people. A lot of it is comment section driven. So that's a whole lot of fun whenever someone wants to comment and says, hey, want to see Ohio State content? Great. We'll do a CJ Stroud breakdown. We want to talk about more realignment stuff. There's been no shortage of realignment stuff to talk about, obviously. But no, it's it's, it's a blast. It's a lot of uh, just shorter, more digestible content for people to tune into if they just have a few minutes at lunch or work and kind of want to stay up and contribute to the conversation. But I mean, the biggest thing for me, and I'm sure the same for y'all, uh, I love college football. I was fortunate to be able to play college football. So the more that I can share that and be something where it's like a community, uh, I, I just love being able to do that through the hard count. So it's all in all, it's, it's a blast. Yeah, and you mentioned today y'all did a video talking about the Big 12 expansion and the possible teams. Check that out if you haven't already. So let's go into that. I know there's four options that it's been talked about a lot, like who would fit, who wouldn't fit. And some other teams got left out. We might talk about that too, which other ones could possibly be mentioned. But real quick, J.D., who are the four teams that the Big 12 is looking to vote in to the Big 12? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of people got their feelings hurt from big schools, small schools. Everybody had an opinion, thought they should be in the Big 12, thought the Big 12 should join their conference, thought the Big 12 was going to blow up. Uh, When it came down to it, it's really looking like it's going to be Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, and BYU. So I'm very much okay with the four they ended up with. Uh, for a variety of reasons. What I didn't want to see was a full AAC merger because at that point, it wouldn't have even really been the Big 12 anymore. It's 11 AAC schools and eight Big 12 schools. So to call that the Big 12 would have felt like sort of a, a cheap version of what was the Big 12. But all things considered from a competition standpoint, from a market standpoint, from a fan standpoint, I really think they got it right with this one. 
Yeah, you talked about how many other teams getting added. At that point, it's just watered down. Like, you add mm-hmm. some of the bigger teams. Obviously, Cincinnati is going to be in the playoff race this year, led by Desmond Ritter, who's very much likely a first-round draft pick. You have uh, Zach uh, Wilson just got drafted by BYU. So, big-name school. So, talk about recruiting-wise, what that's going to do for those full, for those four schools coming into the Big 12. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I think it impacts all four of them differently. The school that I look at the closest is Houston. And Houston, for me, I was a little bit surprised they were added to the Big 12 because if I'm a president and I have a vote on this thing and I'm in those conversations of adding schools, well, there's three schools that are already in the state of Texas. So now you're handing essentially more firepower to a school that's in your state to go and try and take some recruits. So that was interesting to me. But in the same way, I think that could help Houston. I also think they're going to have to go toe-to-toe with those three other schools, BYU, or excuse me, uh, TCU, Baylor, and uh, Texas Tech. So I'm really interested to see how that recruiting battle plays out for them long-term. The obvious one right off the bat is UCF. Like UCF, I think, benefits the most from this whole operation. So much access to talent in their backyard. And you know the knock on them when other coaches went into the living room, whether you're from Florida Miami, Florida State, it was, okay, you can go play for UCF, but you'll be playing kind of a different, smaller version, kind of a JV level, I'm sure they pitched it as, of football. And now they're walking in saying, okay, well, we're one of the Power Five schools too. So I'm really excited to see how much they're able to draw from the state of Florida and maybe get some guys they wouldn't have gotten being in the AAC. And then you talk about BYU. It's impressive that BYU can recruit in general, and that's not a that's not a knock against BYU. It's just all the things that come with being at a school at BYU. Like I was said earlier today on one of our videos, there is a lot of things that college students want to partake in that BYU has a very strict policy against. And so again, that's not that's not yeah. I mean that's that's not lobbying for or against those things. I'm just saying I think they probably missed out on a variety of guys because of that. So now they have the the firepower again of being a Power Five program. I think that they're going to be able to get more guys. I don't know how this will impact them in the long term. I think BYU will still be great, but I don't know how much this is going to impact them because they're kind of were the closest thing to a Power 5 program of these schools that got added. Uh, and in terms of recruiting for Cincinnati, uh, I think just the same thing with UCF, a little bit different. They're still a, a Power 5 school at this point, which helps them. Now, the, the talent that they have access to is different than Florida. That's not not against Ohio at all. Again, Donovan, I know you're from an Ohio guy, so I'm not going to go there. I'm, I'm a big fan of Ohio football. I have a lot of guys that I respect that played football in Ohio. Great talent base. I'm interested to see how that translates for them because they're already a really strong program. How long Luke Fickle stays for me is going to be um, the the thing that I'm watching to see how their, their program develops in the Big 12. Yeah, I know everybody involved here is betting on each other in terms of they're betting on these teams are betting on the conference, the conference betting on them. And speaking of betting, guys, it's important that we mention our sponsor here, Bet Online, guys. It's time to uh, get back to football action. It's in full swing. So, as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all your pro and college football action. Uh, get all the latest odds, updates. Uh, prop bets contest at bet online head on over to the website and use your mobile device and if you sign up now you can get a hundred percent welcome bonus on top of what you put in so you put in a hundred bucks they're going to match it with a hundred bonus right on top of it i mean you know what better you want on that bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports bet online your online sportsbook experts as we're live right now the buccaneers uh, defending super bowl champion the cowboys are on behind us so you could have put something down on that over yeah. on bet online <laughs> a lot of bets on the college football action but uh jd had to had to throw in a word for our bet online guys over there um 
But uh, Donovan, or uh, I think, who did I cut off there with my ad uh, for JD? Go ahead, Donovan. Well, well, I was going to finish it up with, with, you know, Cincinnati being, you know, the rival of the Miami Redhawks didn't have a great showing on Saturday, obviously. But I think, like you mentioned, a lot of it plays on how long Fickle is going to stay. And if you look, where was he going to go, right? He was going to kind of wait out, find the right Power 5 job. Well, now Cincinnati is in the Power 5, right? They're, They're going to be, you know, they're in the Big 12, right? If anything, I think Cincinnati, you know, kind of quietly had arguably the biggest win in here because you just increased your odds to keep someone like Luke Fickle, who's kind of rebuilt that program up into where they are now. Yeah, 1,000%. I think you hit it on the head. Cincinnati just became a lot more of an attractive job, and mm-hmm. Luke Fickle sitting on it. So the fact mm-hmm. that he's already able to be in a Power 5 job, it's like, well, I was, I was going to leave for a Power 5 job, and now I sort of have a power five job. So I would assume there's some sort of pay raise that comes with that as the school brings in more money. But I absolutely agree. If Fickle stays and they can have some continuity with what they've built there at Cincinnati, I mean, they, they could be a, a sleeping giant in this whole race. Mm-hmm. So out of those four, you know, they're so spread out geographically. Out of those four, which one do you think would really come into the Big 12 the quickest and really have success right away? And also, you know, with the foundation of the team they've already built, you know, the culture and everything, like you said, with Luke Fickle, which of those four teams do you think would have the easiest transition to the Big 12? For me, it's UCF, because I think they'll probably mm-hmm. have, like I said, the most access to talent. And also, Gus Malzahn's not going anywhere. Like, Gus Malzahn has been to the mountaintops. He's been at the SEC program. Uh, we were on the big one, too, the other day, and Paul Kalina was like, he was at Auburn. They chewed him up and spat him out, basically for doing a, a you know good job. But the problem is he's just being compared to Nick Saban every second of every day at Auburn. And so that's a pretty tough comparison to draw. But back to the point, I think UCF, the fact that they'll have continuity with Gus Nelson, they'll be able to be armed with the brand of a Power 5 school now walking into a lot of those homes in Florida. Uh, I think that they already have so much built out. It's going to continue to build, and they're going to be able to add with that with recruiting. Whereas Houston, I think they'll have their work cut out for them to try and get those horses on board in the state of Texas. I don't. I think they'll be able to do it, but I think it just will take a little bit longer. Um, BYU, I, again, the handbook, I just have questions about how attractive that will be um, if they've hit their ceiling already. Like, do they have more guys they're going to get that they wouldn't have gotten before if they were out of the Big 12? Um, and then for Cincinnati, I think that's kind of that two spot, which I could easily see them being the first to win a title. It just, like we said, hinges on Luke Fickle. Will he stay? Will he want to go to a Big Ten job? Like, what does that mean for him? Being an Ohio State alum, you're like, okay, well, let's say in some world, Ryan Day leaves the NFL and Ohio State becomes open. Does he go back to Ohio State? Uh, if he gets a job where he can go and try and beat Ohio State every other year, does he take that job? So there's a lot of angles. But for me, for my money, I like UCF. Our man Gary Lewis here on the YouTube comment saying uh, the honor code at BYU is going to be going to be a, a struggle there, but he also says that uh, BYU is going to be competitive in Big mm-hmm. Twelve football. Um, he's kind of sticking on the Big Twelve uh, before we uh, let you go and before we get some picks from you here, JD. I want to talk about you know Iowa State and Oklahoma, really the two big contenders that everybody was looking at coming into the year. Uh, struggle week one. Texas looks really good week one when some people maybe didn't expect them to. So just kind of talk about those top three up there in the in the Big 12 and and uh, should people just take week one for, okay, it was just week one or is there that a sign some, of some things to come? Yeah, that's the million-dollar question, right? What a, what a weird week. I mean, Oklahoma struggles with Tulane. Iowa State looks really pedestrian against Northern Iowa. The team that I think is the most intriguing in this whole Big 12 race is TCU. I think Max Duggan has a really high ceiling that he hasn't hit yet. Um, I don't know that Iowa State is used to being in the spotlight like this. Like Iowa State is usually that team that kind of creeps up on people midway through the year. 
uh, make a push in November and end up being in the title game or something along those lines. But I'm curious, how will Iowa State respond being the expected number one or number two team in the Big 12? Um, I do think it'll be Oklahoma or Iowa State that ends up in that title game. I don't think we'll see both of them. My money's TCU and Oklahoma, uh, but we'll learn a lot about Iowa State this week in the Cyhawk game. No doubt. And, you know, to to be fair, uh, Iowa State did improve over last year. Last year they lost to UL in the opening game <laughs> and then end up in the Big 12. So, hey, they're 1-0. They survived in advance. It's kind of like the, the opening uh, weekend of the NCAA tournament. Sometimes these big teams in basketball, man, they just got to survive and then they go on to uh, to play. We've got a, a comment here that says uh, from Brian Wild says, you and I always plays ISU tough. So maybe that's true. I remember, you know, I covered Georgia for UGASports.com. It used to be, especially when James Franklin went there, that Vanderbilt always gave Georgia fits. It didn't it didn't matter what the wreckage were. So some teams just have those those matchups there. But uh JD, before we let you go, some rapid fire real quick. We're gonna put you under 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 the gun here. Just Love it. spit out a name for us. Tell us who you, who you think takes this one. Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Ooh. Let's go Tennessee. I'll see if Joe Milton can take that next step. Uh, to be honest, I haven't done enough homework on Pittsburgh to make a super educated pick on that. I'm not going to lie to y'all, but I'll take Joe Milton in Tennessee. A lot of pressure there in Vol Nation. How about uh, yeah. a uh, little inner alliance battle here? Washington falls to Montana the first game. Huge upset. Falls to unranked. Goes to Michigan. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Michigan here. Washington yeah. just looked really, really tough last week to have to pick them again. I don't think Dylan Morris is the answer there. I think you got to go to Heward at some point if you're Washington. What's your breaking point for that remains to be seen. Cade McNamara looked good. Granted, it was against a lesser opponent, but he looked good. They lost Ronnie Bell for the year, which is tough. I like the firepower for Michigan. I think they have enough swagger, enough moxie, whereas it's going the other way if you're Washington in terms of the psyche. So I'll go with Michigan on that one. And then we got NC State traveling to Starkville for uh, Mississippi State. NC State, Mississippi State. Oh, yeah. I'm going to NC State on this one. I'm going to go NC State on this one. I like their linebacker, Peyton. He's a stud out. I think it is like Hillsboro. Is that where he's from in North Carolina? Somewhere somewhere along there. That's a, a young stud. It's a baller for them on the defensive side of the ball. Number 11. Like him a lot. And I, think, I think NC State gets it done. Donovan, next one? Of course, Oregon, Ohio State. Give me your pick. This is a tough one. I, I think if Kayvon Thibodeau plays, it'll be a lot closer. Mm-hmm. I think Ohio State's able to get it done. They're at home. They're favored by 10, which feels like a lot. I'm not necessarily sold on Anthony Brown and the offense under him. I think they need to be more vertical for them to be as dynamic as they want to be on offense. I think C.J. Stroud takes that next step. We saw him in the first game. He was inexperienced. It was rainy. He was on the road. I think he kind of takes that next step at home and starts to show out a little bit more. If they can open it up for him and be able to run the ball, I think it's going to be a big day for the Buckeyes. All right, this one's an old Big 12 rivalry renewed. Texas, Arkansas. I used to live in Arkansas, and people just hated Texas, even still after Arkansas was the SEC. What do you think? Yeah, they're, they're easy to hate. I'm not going to lie to you. My, my own dad went to UT for grad school, and there's still like a weird feeling I have for UT. I'll, I'll admit oh, yeah. that. But I was really impressed with Texas last week. I think Arkansas is virtually one-dimensional on offense. If they're forced to throw the ball, if Texas can make it a track meet, it's going to be kind of difficult for Arkansas to be able to keep pace. Uh, I like Texas for that reason. If Bijan Robinson can get going, watch out. No doubt that DWR crowd though over there in in Fayetteville is going to be rocking. I mean, Sam Pittman, uh, he's going to look like he's just done you know two lines of cocaine or something before he comes <laughs> out there on the field. I mean, I've never seen somebody as geeked up as the pit boss is. Uh, just a guy that really, really uh, has a passion for the game, has a passion for his players. So can that overtake? 
uh, that that motivation, that lack of, you know, maybe a passing game, like you said, and just the running through a brick wall. Some people need to uh, keep in mind that bumper pull is out for the first half, their best defender after a targeting penalty in the fourth quarter of that game. So, J.D., we appreciate you, man. You just lending your insight on the Big 12 uh, expansion, those teams, and, and then also making some picks here for us. Uh, we'd, we'd love to have you on more often, man. Man, the pleasure is all mine. Whenever y'all want to do this again, I'm 100% game. Love what y'all do. Keep up the good work, y'all. No doubt, and make sure to check out the hard count. You can find it here on the 365 Sports YouTube channel. JD, thank you so much, and we'll catch you next time, man. Appreciate you guys. All right, that is JD Piquel here on uh, here on the CFB Unfiltered podcast. And guys, he talked a lot about some of that Big Twelve expansion. There's so much movement here in college football right now, and the the future is kind of uncertain. But one thing that does seem certain is Donovan. That that the days of people thinking, oh well, it's going to be you know a foregone conclusion that it's going to be a 12-team playoff, that seems to have been slowed with some of this stuff that's going on. Am I right? Yeah, I think you're seeing a lot of uh, just question raising, a little bit of a pause, right? It seems that the news of the 12-team playoff, while it was always kind of speculated of like, man, what if this happens? What you know, what would it be like? It almost seems like that news you know, kind of came overnight and just hit us quick, right? And now it seems like it's kind of taken a pause for a second. People are looking around thinking, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? No yeah, doubt. Listen, it. I'm I'm thinking about like as these conferences get deeper and add more players, it's going to be more of a push for the playoff because like all these other good teams are getting left out. I feel mm-hmm. like they're going to want to expand it for sure. You're going to have you know champions. You're going to have people that just lost in the conference championship still going to the playoffs mm-hmm. if you expand it. So that's one thing I'm keeping an eye on. It's like as these conferences get deeper and add more talent, that there's going to be a push even more so for the uh, expansion in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. I just don't think that I think with everybody kind of being butt hurt right now, some of these uh, people mad that that uh, Texas and Oklahoma said, you know, peace out and they're heading to the SEC. I think everybody kind of got freaked out by, you know, thinking that Greg Sankey's going to become like Darth Vader and just, you know, you suck everything into the SEC. They're like, oh, we got to we got to protect what's ours right now, you know, and uh, I think it's just going to it's going to have to wait till that contract gets played out. Right. So like 2026 or whatever it is, I think that may be when. So whereas before it looked like, Oh, this thing may get, you know, changed radically and fast. I think it's going to become uh, more over time and you're going to deal with four. But speaking of getting to that four, Josh, you know, we've got a lot of big time matchups this week and uh, you know, we're, we've already started talking playoff expansion, conference expansion, but if you guys are ready, I think it's time to uh, talk a little playoffs. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about it. playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Josh, where do you want to take us first for our marquee matchups this week that are going to have the playoff impacts? Well, for me, I want to, you know, obviously we can go to the the biggest game of the week, but I'm really looking at the uh, Texas and Arkansas game because Texas does look a lot better than what we expected. You know, we talked about Oklahoma starting a little slow. We'll talk about Iowa state playing Iowa, how they kind of struggle against Northern Iowa, who I thought was just a basketball school to be honest with you, but Texas and Arkansas, there you have it right there defeated Louisiana, who a lot of people thought, like you said, Louisiana Lafayette was going to come out and make it a much closer game. But I was one of those guys, and Texas proved me wrong. Bajon Robinson, 24 touches, 176 yards, and two touchdowns. You're not going to slow that guy down. Only thing you can do is try to contain him. That doesn't work half the time. 
But then Texas, old Sarkeesian showing he has a defense back. That's the one thing that impressed me. Now, they do travel to Arkansas. You play anywhere in the SEC, it's going to be tough. And Arkansas has got a stout defense. They create a lot of turnovers. That's who they've been the last few years. Ask Matt Corral, who threw like six picks there last year. One of his worst games ever. Now, Sarkeesian, you go into a house environment, you know exactly what it's like. Yeah, it's been since 2008 since you've beaten Arkansas in this 2008. Rivalry. And oh, Arkansas God. has beaten Arkansas has beaten Texas in that time frame. They beat them in 2014 yeah. in a, in a bowl game. Uh, so definitely some some like I said some craziness. You know Sam Pittman is going to be over there just sweating buckets and yelling and screaming at people, yelling "Yes, sir!" <laughs> the whole time, getting all that kind of stuff going. So the same thing. It's going to be a crazy crazy atmosphere in Fayetteville. Donovan, uh, what's it look like in the trenches between these two teams? Everybody talks about uh, Bajon Robinson. Uh, Arkansas has all five of their starters back from last year in terms of up front. Yeah. I mean, Josh, you hit it on the head on the nail, right? They're a tough team, right? And we know that they bring toughness-wise from their defense. But, again, to have all five linemen back, you can see it, like, in the way they play. I understand they played Rice. Like, they're the big, bad SEC, and they didn't beat up on Rice as much as they should or some other SEC. But you can see it in the way they play up front in both those trenches, right, especially in the O-line. You see that toughness in that culture. I'm excited to see how they're going to take it to Texas, you know, in this kind of renewed historical matchup, right, with Texas – allegedly back who knows um arkansas is a team that's kind of been up on a little bit on the rise almost like the rutgers you know arkansas was down in the the dirt for a while they're all them and rutgers kind of have a similar trajectory well least kind of their bounce back chad morris happened okay yeah yeah i mean they had to wash the chad morris (laughs) off of them and now the arkansas is getting back to uh respectability (laughs) a little bit but uh did you Josh, did you just hear the disdain in Donovan's voice when he said the big bad SEC? Man, just so much Big Ten hatred coming out of that. Roll that beautiful bean footage of the national championship game. You can (laughs) feel the vitriol coming out against the SEC there. But, no, I agree. This is going to be a rocking matchup, something that the fans at DWR Stadium um, have been looking forward to for a long time. Sam Pittman has – he he's gone from the coach that nobody wanted at Arkansas to the coach that they know that they needed. And he is the, he's really embraced that community has a lot going on. So you couldn't have two more different head coaches. I don't think in Sark Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and Pittman there, but it's going to be a very unique matchup. Uh, One, one thing to point out, Arkansas struggled on special teams uh, last week against Rice. That's kind of why they had a, a pump blocked, uh, you know, they, they had a fumble on a, on a kickoff return. So some things uncharacteristic. Scott Fountain, the special teams coach at Arkansas, has got to get that corrected uh, going into this week, make sure everything's shirt up there. But it is Hudson Card's first start uh, on the road. Yeah. On the I, road. I, I want to see more of him. You know, Arkansas had three interceptions last week, two from uh, Jalen Catalan. Like I said, they force a lot of turnovers. That's what they're known for in defense. So it's for me, it's on car. Like he can make things look really good and, and easy for Texas, or he can make it, you know, get interesting in the second half to where Arkansas is keeping it close if he's, you know, throwing some picks. No doubt. And, you know, your guy, Roman Harper, former uh, Alabama Crimson yeah. had uh, safety and turned to New Orleans Saint and, and Carolina Panther. He thinks Jalen Catalan's the best uh, defensive back in all of college football. Mm-hmm. So, um, definitely going to be a good matchup there. They've got Jordan Jordan Whittington, a uh, big receiver, had seven catches for 113 yards and a and a and a tutty against uh, against um, UL a had very a great well defense. very well yeah. coached UL team 
with uh, Billy, Billy Napier there. Guys, just so you know, Billy Napier, he basically turned down the South Carolina job. He turned down the Auburn job uh, to stay at UL. So, you know, that that's a well-coached team, and Sark and them uh, ran away with it. Real quick, let's go around and give our picks real quick on Arkansas and Texas. I'm going to say Texas. It, it, it hurts to say 31. I say 31-20. Donovan? Yep. Yeah, I'll go Texas 34-23. I think that it's going to be a a lower scoring game because I think that Hudson Card will struggle a little bit early because Arkansas is going to make him be the guy. I think they're going to stack the box and try to take away Bajon Robinson uh, first, but I I think Bajon Robinson by the end of it is a guy that the more touches he gets, the more he's going to wear out on that defense. And also Bumper Pool not being there for the first half of the game uh, is going to be a big deal. Um, I'll throw that graphic up again. Once again, they lost uh, their Jack, their starting Jack defensive end, Dorian Gerald, to a broken leg. Uh, Arkansas did. He played 42 snaps against Rice, and now they've lost him to a broken leg. So that's a, in the middle of the week. So that's a tough adjustment. Um, I think it's a close game. Uh, and the, the crowd in there in Arkansas keeps it, keeps it close Ooh. for a long time. But I'm going to give it to Texas as well, and I think it's going to be a lower scoring type game just because of uh, I think KJ Jefferson and his legs. They're going to run him a lot and uh, try to try to keep Texas's offense and Sark's scheme off the field. I'm going to go Texas 24 20 uh, over Arkansas. So that's the first game there. Uh, you know, next playoff implication matchup, Josh. What do you got? Oregon, Ohio State. This is Donovan's game here. This one's interesting to me because I didn't think there was a chance my guy Kayvon Thibodeau was going to play. And then sure enough, they have him listed uh, as playing. And that's the big question to me. Like, is he actually going to play? And if he does, how healthy is he going to be? You know, the thing I'm looking at is Ohio State show they do have a weakness. And I'm sure everyone saw it watching. It stood out. The linebacker core. We talked about how they lost, what, their, their top four linebackers in the draft. And now they play a team with Oregon who can spread the field. They use speed. That's what they're known for, you know, since back in the Chip Kelly days. But I want to talk, Joe, do you think the quarterback play with Oregon, kind of like how J.D. Piquet was talking about, is that going to limit them in this game against Ohio State? Donovan, I'll go to you. Yeah, no, I don't. You know, listen, I, they played a Fresno State team, right, that it, it, they're nothing special. They have, they have a you know, kind of an exciting offense, Fresno State. But, you know, Oregon didn't show a whole lot on offense. They're not a bad offense by any means, but they're not an elite offense, right? And so one of the things that I think is going to be hard for them, right, I, you know, the everyone talks about Ohio State's offense and Oregon's defense got to step up. Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, is he going to be fully healthy? Their offense has to basically match them drive for drive, right? They're, if they are – not scoring on a possession or if they're turning it over, they are going to be in trouble. And I think that's going to be the kicker for them. And again, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there's many offenses in the country that can keep up with Ohio States, let alone Oregon, right? And at, at home in Columbus, the best atmosphere in college football. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. They've racked up almost 400 <laughs> yards. Uh, Fresno state did. So not a good showing by their defense. No. I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau made his presence known right away. And then he gets hurt and comes out kind of changes the mood of the game so you have to figure does that you know play anything your best guy goes out early in the game the team's kind of like oh shoot <laughs> there goes our uh number one number two overall yeah. pick guy so blaine i just i don't i don't know uh ohio state i need to see them come out fast and uh and play fast and i you know of course this is going to be at home 
Uh, it's going to be, you know, a juiced up crowd there in, oh, yeah. in Columbus. So uh, not especially not having, you know, thanks to, uh, you know, the great commissioner Warren in the Big Ten and how he handled the pandemic uh, me started. Uh, last year. <laughs> so those Ohio State fans are going to be excited to be back in there. But, uh, yeah, I think that C.J. Stroud needs to show more consistency. Obviously, he's as talented as they come. Uh, needs to see more consistency out of him. I agree with JD. If if Kayvon Thibodeau is able to play, it'll be obviously he's one of the best talents in in, in America, bar none. Uh, Josh, you were talking about him, you know, with Heisman hype. Or, he's the number one defensive player in college football, and to me, it's not close. He's the next like Chase Young esque player. Yeah. That's high praise, as you can tell. <laughs> I, Chase Young is one of those uh, guys. I just think Kayvon's right up there with him. And that's the last person. Uh, C.J. Stroud wants to see take the field to Kayvon Thibodeau. But I think one of the factors in this game is going to be the coaching ability of Mario Cristobal. Uh, I think that the way that he has recruited there at Oregon is unbelievable, and he's not just recruiting the guys. He's developing them as well. Mario Cristobal, um, can he make enough adjustments and uh, catch? I know Ryan Day is a great coach in his own right. Um, can Mario Cristobal and that staff uh, – you know, just get those guys in a mental preparation state, kind of like PJ Fleck did with Minnesota last week, where they were prepared to go win that ball game. Uh, they didn't turn out that way because the talent overtook them. But um, if if Oregon jumps up out in the head like Minnesota did last week, it'll be much harder for Ohio State. Having said that, uh, Donovan, I know you're going to pick Ohio State, so we don't even have to ask you. <laughs> good at Josh, who are you gonna who are you gonna pick? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with Ohio State, too. I, I know Oregon's not going to be afraid to run the ball. I think they're going to try to pound the rock um, just because they don't really have much of a passing game. And like I said, this is not really where you want to try to start establishing that. You want to lean on what you're good at. And obviously, we saw uh, Ohio State struggle against the run um, until Ibrahim went down. Um, they were big time struggling against him. So I think Oregon is going to run the ball. You know, it's going to be one of those kind of milk in the clock kind of games for Oregon to have somewhat of a chance. Kind of like what you uh, said about Texas keeping Sarkeesian's offense off the field. They're going to do the same to Ohio State, but I think Ohio State wins this one. I'm going to say 34-17. I don't think Oregon scores much. Donovan, how bad do you think Ohio State beats Oregon? That's what we should ask you. I think this is going to be a big game for Ohio State, and it's going to prove that Ohio State is one of the – I think there's a lot of doubts with the Minnesota game, rightfully so. I'm going to go 42-24, right? I think the defense – is a big issue, right? I, I, I'm not as an Ohio State fan. It's a big issue, right? It's, it's a whole panic of mine. But you're getting two corners, your two starting corners back in Cam Brown and Seven Banks yeah. should help, right? We'll see how healthy they are if they do play, right? There's there hasn't been a lot of info on them, but I'll go 42-24. I like that front four of Ohio State too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Haskell Garrett, Zach Harrison. They need to show out a little more. It's been a lot of potential with all the minus Haskell Garrett. I'm going to say Ohio State takes this one, and I just. The, the only reason I think it's going to be this high is because, like you said, Donovan, I just don't think that uh, Ohio State's capable of fully stopping people right now. There are very glaring issues. They don't tackle well. Uh, they're not able to – they they have – they they don't keep gap integrity in the run game a whole lot. Uh, so, and that's a, that's a rarity for an Ohio state team, especially yeah. Ryan day coached, you know, with his background in, in coaching, even though I know he's more of an offensive guy, just the guys he's been under, you would think that would kind of carry over with Ohio state. So I'm going to say it's a very high scoring game. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say Ohio state 49. Sure. Or, 
I'm going to say Ohio State 49. Alabama numbers. Yeah, I'm going to say Ohio, Ohio State 49, Oregon Oregon 38. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of points put up there. Take the over in this one. Uh, yeah. Take the over. Yeah, I got to see uh, what that is. <laughs> yeah, one one uh one let's let's uh hit another matchup here. One that I want to talk about real quick that I find intriguing for not necessarily the playoff picture but in terms of a culture uh picture right here. Pittsburgh at Tennessee, guys. I love this one. Pittsburgh at Tennessee, it's a it's an early kickoff. And you got Kenny Pickett in there, man, who's rolling in there. It seems like Kenny Pickett's been there for 17 years at, <laughs> at Pitt. Uh, you know, he's he's drawn Social Security by now. But the dude went 27-37, uh, to 37, two, 272 yards and two touchdowns. I didn't realize this until – but I knew Pat Narduzzi's defenses were always hard-nosed and well-coached, but they were third in the FBS in rush defense last year, only behind Georgia and Texas A&M because that's what we do in the SEC, Donovan. We play defense, yeah. unlike Ohio State. <laughs> no offense, uh, though. 2.7 yards a carry they only gave up last year, so very uh, well-coached. Four guys had four or more receptions. I know it was against UMass, but you know Kenny Pickett was uh, spreading the ball around. Now, off of that great defense last year, they only have one returning starter up front, but they return a lot of linebackers, a couple of DBs, six starters overall. Now, Tennessee, the reason I point out that rush defense is because I don't. I think if Tennessee, if Tennessee's not able to run the ball with Tyon Evans, you saw he had 120 rush yards to start off last week, and Jabari Small 117. Joe Milton runs runs in a, a touchdown or two on 44 yards rushing. If Tennessee and Josh Heupel are not able to run the football, uh, then it's going to be a long night, uh, a, lot of three a long, long day. Yeah, a <laughs> lot of three and outs, a lot of fast three and outs. Yeah. Pat Narduzzi, in an interview this week, guys, said that he had a GA on each side of the field, and they were spotting the ball every seven seconds to get uh, get them prepared for the hyper speed that uh, Hypo and them are going to be running their offense at. So I think this pit defense is going to be ready for Joe Milton and the Tennessee Volunteers. Yeah, I don't, I don't like Joe Milton as a passer at all. And it's funny, like watching uh, Sports Center and like hearing the SEC uh, this morning, like watching those shows, hearing them talk about Joe Milton, saying, "Oh, I think he looked pretty good." Like his best play was like that hail mary heave into the end zone against Bowling Green, and against anyone else that's getting picked off. And it turned out to be a touchdown for Tennessee. And everyone's like, "Oh yeah, Tennessee's back." Like, no, this isn't the Alabama like hating in me either. It's just I, I think they're gonna rely solely on the run. They're gonna live and die by the run. Is exactly what I put in my notes. Like you said, Pittsburgh is known for having that stout defense. You're not going to run the ball on them. They're going to make you throw the ball. And when you do, Joe Milton's going to get exposed. And I like Kenny Pickett a lot. He's, you know, talking draft-wise and stuff, scouting. He's a name that comes up a lot. You know, he doesn't have all the talent around him, but he, he, he makes do. They lost a lot of guys in the draft last year, like you said, mostly on defense. But I like Pittsburgh a lot. I think they win more games this season than a lot of people think they do in, uh, in the ACC. Yeah, I'm yeah. taking Pittsburgh in this one. Donovan, who you got? Yeah, I'm taking Pitt as well. I really like their defense. You know, we scouted them last season, last season preparing to open up against them. Uh, 2020, obviously, things changed. Um, and it's tough with Tennessee, right? It, it's it's tough when you have a, you know, a conference that schedules a lot of Bowling Green-esque teams in the first few weeks or Citadel teams, right? It's hard to get a good look on that. It's, and that's not a total shot at the SEC, guys. Every conference does it. But it's hard to get a gauge on some of these teams when they're not playing the top tier talent. Wait, you don't think that Josh is Josh's uh, Alabama team is going to be tested by Mercer oh, this week? 
I mean, that's rat Mercer, poison. Mercer did, <laughs> Mercer did win 69 to nothing, which gained them a lot of notoriety with Barstool Sports oh, yeah. guys because they <laughs> missed that point, kick on purpose. He mixed the extra point to keep it at uh, 69 to nothing. Yeah. So uh, the kicker goes on and takes credit for that on Twitter after the game. So who knows? But the, the mighty Mercer Bears going to Alabama, that's definitely a big one. But so I think we're all on the same page taking Tennessee there. Um, and in the final game that we're really going to talk about before we get to our Heisman talk, the Cyhawk matchup when you got the number 10 ranked Iowa Hawkeyes visiting the number nine ranked Iowa Cyclones. Iowa survives barely versus UNI. Um, Iowa Iowa State. Uh, yeah, Iowa State. Sorry, too many Iowas in here. <laughs> Iowa, Iowa State survives barely versus you and I, and then Iowa absolutely beats down Indiana in a in a matchup that we we all kind of thought you know Ty Fryfogle and and uh, you know Penix would would get going and and just never really happened for him. Fryfogle looked good. I'll I'll respect you. Like I think almost ninety yards. Um, that's pretty much all that happened for Indiana that game, and that's the thing that it really showed me was Indiana has no rushing offense, and that's something you know, Blaine, that you brought up in the last episode. They just have no run game. So Michael Penix was like, I I've got to throw this rock and just and pray it turns out well and it turned into two touchdowns for Iowa. So that's how I really looked at this matchup for Iowa State, like comparing them to Indiana, saying what differences do they have? And that was easy. Breeze Hall. When you have a run game with that guy, you can establish that. Now, Brock Purdy, he didn't look amazing against Northern Iowa. Obviously, they scored 16 points. Like, he looked okay. Like, he didn't do anything bad, didn't have any turnovers, anything like that. Like, he just went out there and did what he had to do. Kind of like a game manager-esque, but it was just one of those ugly games. They didn't have any turnovers, but they were only 5 for 14 on third downs. You're not going to win much games when you're only converting that much on third down. So that's what I'm really looking at. I think it was just a slow start, a little bit of a rusty Iowa State. I'm leaning more towards Iowa State this game just because Iowa State has a run game that Indiana had no business even attempting against Iowa. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I just think that Kurt Ferentz, uh, had, Kirk Ferentz has one of his better teams that he's had. I really like this Iowa team. I like the the leadership in the secondary with, you know, Matt Hankins and Riley Moss. I, I just think that you're, these are two, you know, Big Ten caliber corners uh that big all big 10 caliber corners that that have a chance to you know could even get some all-american notice i mean if the the way that they handled themselves only 156 passing yards to an indiana team like you said that has some talented receivers talented wideouts um i consider holding ty frofogel ty frofogel easy for me to say uh to 90 yards of success for iowa last week and then you know they go on and beat them 34 to 6 so uh, but Donovan, this has to be like a dream for you because these are like just offensive line teams that, in fact, I was talking to the, the, the dad of a recruit the other day, uh, I cover recruiting for UGSports.com and he, he, he's, his son is an offensive lineman being recruited by a lot of SEC schools and stuff like that. And I said, have you even reached out to Iowa? I said, because Iowa is the place that you want to go to be developed as an yeah. offensive lineman. So just talk about this matchup up front between these two teams. Yeah, I mean, Iowa State, again, we know they're returning all five starting linemen, right? And, you know, their team struggled a little bit week one. I get it. That matchup is always tough, like uh, one of the viewers in the comments said earlier. Uh, Iowa, you know, their rushing game, it, it showed out, right? Like, they, I think they had uh, about 150, what was it, 130, 140 yards rush. They showed out. They, you know, they did what we kind of expected, right? 
their offense needs to match, you know, kind of the, the output that their defense gave, right? This game is already kind of feeling like a classic, like trench warfare, right? It's Iowa, Iowa state, right? It's, it's Iowa state who sounds like they're going to be in the big 10 eventually in the near future, right? It already kind of feels like a late fall big 10 game. I've been going back and forth in this one. I, I it, It's tough because you saw a lot out of Iowa and you didn't see a lot of out of Iowa State, right? But we have these expectations of Iowa State for this season and what they have. It's a tough one. It really is. To me, it comes down to this. I don't like what Iowa has to offer at quarterback with Petrus. I, I don't think it's good enough to compete against a guy like Will McDonald who's going to be all up in his face all day long. And then Mike Rose, who holds down that linebacker core, one of the uh, better guys for Iowa State. To me, I just don't think it's enough. You can't rely on your defense to get two yeah. pick sixes for you every single week. And as, as good as that defense is, I think this is more of a coming out party for Iowa State, if anything. It's well, not going to be convincing. We, it's going to be good. It's going to be close game. But I think this is where Iowa State says, see, this is what we meant. This is what we should have done week one. Yeah, so go uh, go ahead and give us, give us your pick, Josh. Uh, I'm going to say 27-23 Iowa State. Donovan? Give me Iowa State 31. I think it's a little bit of a coming out party for their offense. And give me Iowa 24. I disagree. I'm going with the fighting Kurt oh. Ferences. The, <laughs> the, uh, the, the Hawkeyes over there. And I am going to say that Iowa – upsets and i don't even know it's barely an upset but iowa upsets ohio state not ohio state, ohio state. <laughs> never iowa state why that's, i'm not I'm all over ohio the state place that much that's yeah that's iowa upsets hey they may beat ohio state later this year you never know yeah. i like this iowa team that much uh kurt ferentz well coached um i just i think that defense is going to get it done and I'm going to say they hold – you know, Iowa State only scored 16 points on UNI. I don't know that they're going to do much better uh, against this Iowa team. I'm going to say that Iowa wins this game 24-17. to 17. They need to call C.J. Beathard back. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he may have some eligibility left. Who knows? That, that, guy, that guy, it seems like uh, it seems like he's just one of those that hung around too. But He's a good um, picket. Yeah, like Kenny Pickett. But before we before we move on to our Heisman talk, just real quick, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. Recap some stuff from I was totally wrong on North Carolina. They absolutely uh, were frauds, uh, and they are out of any kind of playoff picture because they are. I don't. I don't think they're going to make it past uh, NC State in a couple of weeks. The way that they played against Virginia Tech, that was a uh, colossal meltdown. And we'll touch more on that in our Heisman deal. Um, I'm, I was there for the Georgia and Clemson game. Unbelievable defense. Uh, Josh, I'll let you touch on that uh, Georgia-Clemson game as well. All I got to say is SEC defense. That <laughs> that pretty much sums up exactly what that was. And that's and I, it really proved what I said with I don't like Clemson's offense and their wide receiver core, Justin Ross being out for 18 months. Um, you know, DJ having to get in sync with these guys against that Georgia defense, it just – wasn't going at all in the run game was almost literally non-existent with two yards donovan <laughs> uh something yeah it was it was ridiculous I, I was there up front it just looked I, I i put on twitter that georgia's defense looked like a like a boa constrictor i mean it was just it it, it was just engulfing and squeezing to death the pocket dj didn't have any any room uh to to operate 
But uh, Donovan, something that I that I got a kick out of, and I thought that you would enjoy, is kind of all those pin and pull schemes that Chip Kelly used to take down that horrendous LSU defense. Uh, Ed Orgeron uh, and company go down to the sissy blue shirts over there. The Bruins, uh, they end up uh, looking not so sissy and uh, taking down. Chip Kelly's got him a good ball club out there. Yeah, he does. And, he, uh, you know, I've kind of been on the, the train of let's slow down on LSU. And, you know, I think we were, we were proven right on that. You know, UCLA, I'm still curious to see, you know, what happens with them. Because, again, I thought LSU was, was overhyped. So in my mind, I'm still kind of seeing, okay, UCLA beats, you know, a, a decent SC team, but one that I already thought was overhyped, right? So I'm just curious to see what Chip Kelly can do, especially, you know, you come out of week two, what happens with Oregon, right? If, if Oregon loses and loses bad to Ohio State, you kind of, the Pac-12, you know, in an image way, right? Just for those of the teams up for grabs, you know, kind of in a mental, you know, kind of subconscious way, you know that your king is gone now, Oregon's gone, if that's, if that's what happens with them. Yeah, Stingley looked terrible. Um, yeah. I saw. I said last week, Kyle Hamilton was the number three defensive player. He moved yeah. to number two this week uh, over Derek Stingley, who switched number seven and then forgot how to tackle. And I thought Chardonnay was just a, a fine wine, but he's actually a pro-style running back whose name was brought up a lot in the uh, scouting department this week who just ran all over LSU, embarrassed in an SEC defense. Love it. Oh, yeah, and uh, I think that – you talk about defensive backs, like we talked about in that Texas and Arkansas matchup. Jalen uh, Catalan is a guy that's going to vault up into that conversation. Like you said, Roman Harper already thinks he's one of the best, if not the best DBs in all of America. And speaking of Roman Harper and Alabama, I guess we have to talk about it, even though it, it, I really don't want to. Uh, we'll Alabama, about a quick 20 minutes to talk about this. <laughs> Alabama, just, Alabama just rolls all over Miami, uh, Miami. I think the whole ACC is frauds, really. You know, I mean, it was it was awful because Alabama. Obviously, they do that to a lot of teams, but the room that Alabama receivers had, I'm talking about running wide, naked booty open down the (laughs) middle of the field, nobody around. Like what? What is going on? I, I, I don't understand. Uh, Bill O'Brien, I know, is not that good of a play caller. You saw what happened in Houston. Uh, so, you know, the dude, the dude, the dude doesn't have, uh, doesn't have that. It's just the Jimmys and the Joes out there at Alabama or the so Jimmys, Joes, and the Jamison Williams that we got from mm-hmm. Ohio State. So, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, four catches, but, four catches for what, 126 yards and a, and a tutty? Like 300. But we do lose Chris Allen for the season. Huge. First game, one of the leaders on the uh, defense for the linebacker core. I expect Drew Sanders to come in, fill it in, just more five-star recruits, as everyone else says. But, like, it does suck losing a guy like Chris Allen, who's, like, a captain on that defense. Um, you know, Henry Toa went down with his wrist. They said he's fine. So, a couple injuries kind of had me like, oh, like, Nick, take these guys out. It's the fourth quarter. We're up big. Yeah, so guys, you know, that was kind of our look ahead at week two, our recap of week one, our playoff implications that touch in there. And now it's time to talk uh, some of the top performers and our Heisman candidates. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. One of my favorite parts of the show each week, our little homage <laughs> to the the best there is, the and best family. was, and best <laughs> there ever will be, Mr. Bret Hart right there. Um, and, you know, speaking of uh, the screw job right there with Bret Hart, uh, ooh, Sam Howell and the Blacksburg e- screw job. <laughs> DJ, DJ uh, Uwe Ungalele, uh, 
they kind of, you know, Vince McMahon famously said after that that Brett screwed Brett. Well, uh, DJ Uangalele and Sam Howell, they got screwed by their offensive lines, Donovan. Yeah. Yeah, the Clemson offensive line, like I said, you know, in the previous week, they would get dominated by a by a dominant defensive line. That's what Georgia has, right? They got a dominant front seven. Um, it did do any favors for DJ, right? And it, it might it might cost him, you know, a spot in the Heisman finalist. Sam Howell, again, even with five offensive linemen returning to UNC, they were getting after him every play. I mean, I I was still thinking I was looking back and forth, and I, I'm just seeing Sam Howell, you know pressure in his face every single time and he's still making some dart throws i mean you could still see it that nfl arm in him but man was he getting lit up and and it's it's not all on him but both those guys you can kind of kiss their heisman finalist or heisman trophy aspirations goodbye and my yeah, he was defeated i told you that blacksburg defense like it's it's legit it's a real thing and i felt that that place was god awful by the way i'll never go back uh, it was yeah, great that, for tech uh, fans, but it was just a mess but yeah same how he looked defeated like the third quarter he was just like all right here we go like uh, all right and, like he just had no urgency at all he was like i'm about to get hit like he knew every single play is going to get hit but the heisman like race this week took a huge hit like mm-hmm. like you said not only dj and sam but like Spencer Rattler got outplayed by Tulane. Like he did not look like the Spencer Rattler who was just supposed to blow them out. Um, CJ Stroud started a little weak and then came on second half. He has his real test. I think Bryce Young was the one who, mm-hmm. to me, he's got to be like the clear cut number one, you know, breaking Alabama records for most passing yards and passing touchdowns in their first start for an Alabama quarterback. To me, it, it might be biased, but he's got to be number one right now. Do y'all disagree? Yeah. yeah, I think he's, he's, clear cut up there i think matt corral has got to be right oh, there yeah. right now yeah especially uh I, that let me tell you something the way that uh old miss's defense came to play and i know yeah. it's against louisville but the way that they were able to just have a pre- last year they the people went through them like crap through a freaking goose guys i'm telling you like it wasn't even like it wasn't even close to how well they played defense so maybe they just need to leave lane kiffin at home every game uh i don't i don't know maybe that's the maybe that's the problem uh but with the defense but uh lane man the lane train is rolling when it comes to the, the <laughs> offense uh they're they're running you know they're running the some of the same plays that Joe Burrow and guys ran in their 2019 run. I saw a tweet on a tweet out on that where the literally same exact scheme uh, going through there. So Lane is not afraid to to take some stuff from a Joe Brady and he's an offensive genius in his own right. So when you got a guy like Matt Corral, I think that's going to be big. That's going to be a huge matchup between Alabama and Ole Miss later this Mm -hmm. year. And then I think this could be the year, you know, if if Bryce Young has any kind of stumbles, and also we talked about he's a slight, uh, he got a slight stature. If he has to miss any kind of time for, you know, any kind of injuries, this could be the year of the running back. We talk about uh, 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 Bijan Robinson for Texas. Excuse me, we talked about Bijan Robinson for Texas. Um, talking about Chardonnay out there at uh, at UCLA. Then I'm sure or Charbonnet is going to. I called him. Uh, Chardonnay, like an actual one. Chardonnay <laughs> is going to go out there, and he he's going to keep getting a lot of carries out there. Um, so this could be the year where uh, a non quarterback again following up uh, Devonta Smith. You know, we'll see. Is it too late to replace Kayvon Thibodeau with Kyle Hamilton or no? Uh, <laughs> Kyle Hamilton. Let me tell you something. I know he's great, but giving up forty one points to that FSU team. But that wasn't his fault. He did everything. He did everything. I know it wasn't. I know that it wasn't. Boy was all over the field. I know it wasn't his fault. But my goodness, I'm telling you, fix that. 
FSU is not good, guys. I'm just telling you that they, they, the fact that Notre Dame gave up 38 points and had Lost to score a lot of money. Yep. Had to, had to <laughs> score 41 to beat FSU. That's rough. Uh, then our only other note that we had on here, CJ Stroud. I mean, he kept himself kind of in it with that second half. Um, second half that he had against Minnesota. This is going to be a huge stage for him at Oregon. Uh, JT Daniels. We talked about with Georgia that if he, you know, he they they they're without their top five receivers right now. So who knows what this Georgia offense is going to look like uh, more towards the middle to the end of the year? Don't think he's going to put up enough numbers. Uh, if anybody honestly on that team, it would be Zamir White actually. Yeah. That that would turn out uh, to to be catching a lot of lot of numbers there for Georgia. So. We shall see. Uh, I throw out that, a random name who might take advantage of some big name guys sucking. If quarterback wise, Carson Strong, Nevada. Yeah. I don't, that dude's got a big arm. He's going to put up big numbers uh, with his boy Romeo Dubs. So keep keep that name in the back of your head. I, I love Carson Strong. And I guess you got to throw Desmond Ritter in there as oh, well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he had a huge week. I mean, Donovan saw that. So. I saw it up close and personal. <laughs> that's it. That's it. So that's our Heisman talk for the week. Now it's time for the big three. Big three. Each week here on the big three, we like to bring you three, uh, three categories of three. Uh, that we end up throwing out there this week. It's our top three bets, our top three matchups, and our top three storylines. Donovan, let's go ahead and run run through those bets real quick. Yeah, first bet, we got Rutgers minus two at Syracuse again. I think Rutgers is a team Take that's it. on the up and come. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Way too little points. Yeah, what has Syracuse shown to make you think that they're, you know, plus two underdog to, again, Rutgers, who's nothing special, but they're – on the up and coming. I really like this game. Did Syracuse uh, even beat Ohio last week? I don't, I don't know. I, I didn't even check that game because I was thinking that uh, Syracuse would would lose to Ohio. Let me look that up real quick and see. Well, I like I like this second game here while you're looking that mm-hmm. up. NC State, one and a half favorites over Mississippi State. I know the Cowbells going to be going crazy. Starkville is going to be getting loud. But Mike Leach showed he's going to sling that rock with the air raid offense. And NC State's like, okay. That, that's exactly what we want you to do. We want you to throw the ball because that defense is unreal. I think that's going to be a, to me, that's the one game I'm looking forward to the most. I know that it's not two ranked teams, but stylistic wise, I think that is a great football game that you have to watch. And I really like NC state uh, one and a half. So, and don't be surprised. Devin Leary starts throwing that rock too, showing he can keep up. Oh, Devin Leary can play. I like, uh, I, I, I think NC State's going to beat the dog mess out of, out of Mississippi State, really. I, I think it's going to I don't know about that, but Zonovan Knight, he's another running back who put up big numbers last week. NC State drubbed USF 45 nothing. And I, and <laughs> yeah, I promise you, paid him good. I promise, I, I promise you that Florida won't, Florida goes to USF this week. I promise you, Florida won't beat. Uh, USF as bad as as NC State did, so we'll we'll see on that. And then then the the last one that we had there was uh, Kentucky minus five and a half uh, against mm. Missouri. Um, guys, I want you to look at this number down here at the bottom. Kentucky five hundred and sixty four yards of total Are offense. You sure it's Kentucky, UL Monroe. <laughs> I know it's UL Monroe, but that is unbelievable. And then uh, for for what that offense has done the last couple of years. And then in in terms of Tyler Beatty, 25 carries, 203 yards and a touchdown for Missouri. That's not a, like a 
three game total, guys. That's their one game that they played uh, where they beat Central Michigan. So my question to you guys is: Kentucky getting five and a half? Uh, I, I've I, we put it on the best bets. Which like which, side are, which side are you taking? I, I'm going Kentucky. I think they're not going to let Missouri run that ball. Kentucky's defense is too good. But Kentucky finally has a passing game, and they're like, "What is this? Where has this been? We haven't had this in forever. Like, this is so, this is a lot of fun to actually throw the ball and not run it fifty times a game." So I think Kentucky is gonna light things up. I think their defense is just too good for Missouri to hang like thirty on them. And I think I, I just like Kentucky five and a half. I, I could see it being a six seven point game exactly. I didn't want to pick easy bets. I wanted like hard ones where it's like this is getting to be like down to the wire kind of bets because those are the best ones. So no I like doubt. Kentucky. Now, top three matchups of week two, Donovan, Ohio State's wide receivers versus mm-hmm. Oregon's back seven, their backs and and uh, defensive backs. So, you know, do you think Chris Olave uh, can be slowed down at all? You know, Garrett Wilson over there, any of those guys, do you think they can be slowed down at all by the Oregon back seven? I mean, nothing in their career, let alone versus Minnesota, suggests that they would, right? I, I've got all the confidence in that group and those that duo in general, right? I think they're going to show out. I think that whole offense is going to show out. Uh, I don't think there's much hope for Oregon. No. Oregon better dig some holes in the turf. That's literally the only way they're stopping <laughs> those two guys from running. Uh, Pittsburgh's defense versus Tennessee's one-sided offense. We already kind of touched on that, Josh. Um, Pittsburgh, they allowed 2.7 yards per carry last year. Like I said, third best in the country. Joe Milton and company still finding their their legs there on offense underneath Josh Heupel and – you know, I, I just think that I know Tyon Evans and I know Jabari Small can really run the football. They're two very talented backs, but Pat Narduzzi, I think, is going to stop the run come hell or high water. Yeah, they, they've got to create some fancy things with the uh, play action for Tennessee. I just don't see it happening. Then finally, Iowa State's defense versus Iowa's offense. Uh, you you question Iowa's ability to be able to score points. You think Matt Campbell and company on defense are going to be able to to slow the Hawkeyes down, but uh, you know, do do you think that Kurt Ferentz is able to uh, put up enough points to take take care of that Iowa State defense? No, like I said, I just I don't like Petrus at all at quarterback. I don't think it's the level that he needs. I think it's the one thing really holding them back from being a true threat in the Big Ten. Got one of the best defenses, like we've talked about, but that that Iowa State defense is just too much for me. Like I said, Mike Rose and Will McDonald, you know, Will's got to get to the quarterback. And we talked about Iowa's offensive line. He's got to create pressure and put uh put some pressure on Petrus and he can he can turn that game over straight to Iowa State and say, hey, this is y'all's. Wanna uh you know point out a couple of the comments here. Um Sam Kim said this is not live. Stop uh supporting this this garbage or something it's it's live i promise you <laughs> we're we're here right live live at the beginning live right now hey sam hey gary hey farron scarberry we're just we're just doing our thing over here and trying to uh you know trying to stay uh stay on topic and and go through our notes here but we are live we are catching the Look, comments the are up 21 16 on the couch yeah no <laughs> doubt it, it, it is absolutely live uh, Farron, Farron Scarberry says that Pitt will just will crush the Vols. We kind of agree that that could that could happen. But uh, the final of our big three here is the top three week two storylines. Oh, we have Ohio State convincingly eliminates Pac-12 playoff hopes. So we'll see if Ohio State's able to to blow them out there. We've already touched on that game. App 
App State and Chase Bryce, the they journeyman Chase Bryce, uh, you know, Clemson got absolutely pummeled with Duke last year, last year, but now he's at, uh, over there in Boone, North Carolina, beat down the ECU uh, Pirates who take on South Carolina this week. South Carolina is actually a two-point road underdog to ECU. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, App State can chase Bryce. Uh, you know, he, he worked magic that, that year that um, Trevor Lawrence had to, had to go out and they, they kept, he kept things alive uh, for Clemson. They go on to win the national championship back in uh, 2018, I think it was. Uh, Josh, I think you remember that. That Oh, yeah, that's when he got hit in the ribs and uh, Trevor Lawrence had to come out and talk about fragile quarterbacks, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, no doubt. But App State, do they prove that Miami's not back after this week? They've always got a good team. I mean, ask Michigan from back in the day when they oh, blocked yeah. the field goal. But I feel like they've always got that competitive, tough team, and it's built around the defense. So Miami's got to be on their toes. They can't be like, oh, man, shoo. Like, we got our tails beat by Alabama. Like, finally, we've got an easy game because App State's going to hit them. Uh, yeah, and App State's then, not and afraid then, of anybody. Oh, no, App State's definitely not. And Chase Bryce, he's been around. He's seen so much football, uh, you know, that, that I think it's just going to, you know, We'll we'll see what what ends up happening, but I think that App State uh, definitely is not going to be a just cakewalk for Miami. And then finally, our last one: Iowa proves to be a legitimate contender in the Big Ten. Uh, I think that Iowa proved last week that that they're not going anywhere. But after y'all two are wrong and I'm right, and Iowa beats Iowa State, they'll definitely have stamped that they are going to be one of the better teams that Kurt Ferentz has ever had there at Iowa. It's like even if they lose, they can say, hey, we're legit contenders in the Big Ten just because all we have is Ohio State. <laughs> that's it. Hey, yep. That, that's my thinking with it is even if they lose to Iowa State, as long as they don't get blown out, they're proving they're a legitimate contender in the Big Ten. That's it, guys. And, uh, you know, Iowa, we're looking to see what they what they come and do here in this marquee matchup. Can Oregon step to the plate? It's going to be very hard. A big week to go in going into things um we want to thank bet online for for sponsoring the show uh always presented by bet online we're part of the believe podcast network streaming here on the 365 youtube 365 sports youtube channel and you can catch us each thursday night here uh make sure to follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, just search CFB Unfiltered. Uh, and for Josh Taylor and Donovan White, I'm Blaine Gilmer, and we will catch you next time on CFB Unfiltered. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.